Welcome to Extraordinary People, the podcast that highlights people who inspire others, have made significant contributions to the world, or who have overcome adversity. This show is hosted by Shirley Bogtel, author, educator, wife, mother, and grandparent. Learn more and subscribe today at ShirleyWachtel.com. And now, here's my grandma, Shirley Wachtel. Hello, and welcome to Extraordinary People. Today, I'm so very glad to be speaking with Julia Gaona, who has been an ESL teacher in Irvington, New Jersey for the past 13 years. A first-generation immigrant born and raised in Moscow, Russia, she came here as a student and earned her second master's degree in teaching English as a second language from Arizona State University on a full tuition scholarship. In addition, she teaches writing classes to ESL students at Kane University as an adjunct faculty member and is studying in a post-master's graduate program at Kane. She and her husband are raising uh, 10-year-old twins, and she is also the mother of a son who resides in Philadelphia with his fiancée. During the COVID crisis, she has been balancing these demanding roles, and like so many other teachers, Julia is one of our unsung heroes. So um, I am so happy uh, to be speaking with you today, Julia, because um, as a teacher during this uh, COVID crisis, you really are that unsung hero. You're in the midst of things, not only in the classroom, but you've got a lot of uh, pressures at home with raising a family and, you know, just trying to keep everyone safe and, and all the other things that you've been doing with your life. I'm not quite sure how you manage, but I, I truly am in awe of you. So uh, welcome, Julia. Thank you, Shirley. Thank you for such an introduction. So, um, you know, it, it is so uh, very difficult these days um, for teachers especially, um, because uh, they are they are had to adjust very quickly to a whole new system of doing things. And of course, you know, you can learn a lot of things in school about teaching. And uh, it's it when you get into the situation practically, you're you're met with all kinds of things that you never anticipated for, and certainly, of course, never no one ever anticipated for anything like this pandemic that we're having nowadays. So, um, and and I know that very well, having you know teachers in my family, and of course, I myself am a teacher, and um, as well as uh, many of my close friends. But I wanted to get your perspective because I think uh, you probably are busier than most even. But before I do, can you give us a little bit more about your background? Okay. Um, I think um, you gave me a very good introduction. So um, I have been teaching, here's a small correction, uh, for 16 years, uh, 10 years in the middle school, and the last six years in an elementary school. Um, I am an ESL teacher. Um, I um, actually push into other teachers' classrooms, which means I collaborate, I co-teach uh, with different teachers. Um, 
I have uh, 10-year-old twins, um, as you said. Uh, they are currently in the fifth grade. Uh, one of them um, is in an IG program, which IG stands for Intellectually Gifted. And the other one is um, on the spectrum, um, autism spectrum. Um, and he's in an integrated class with in-class support. So I have uh, this going on. And you're right, um, I have a lot of hats um, that I have to wear. And um, it has been a little bit overwhelming, but I also consider myself lucky because my kids are a little older and I have the privilege of working from home, which makes it a lot more easier. Um, I know that in a lot of school districts, teachers have to uh, report to school, uh, teach from their buildings, even though uh, children are learning remotely. So um, the decision that my district made to let us stay and teach from home um, was great, in my opinion. And not everybody um, has this privilege. Let's start um, with uh, your family situation with your two boys who have very different... Are they boys, by the way? You said twins. Yeah, they are. They okay. are. They're okay. two boys. Yes. All right. Um, so, so they have they have very different needs, of course. So, what? Um, how? What's their situation? How are they adjusting? And as a parent, how are you adjusting to accommodating your your very different sons? Right. Right. Um, thanks for that. Um, so, having my kids at home. Um, adds a little bit of comfort. Um, as any mother, I I feel a little bit, a tad more comfortable knowing that they are in the house with me. Um, however, um, my concern is um, that their educational needs are not met. Um, and what I mean by that is um, my <laughs> one of my twins is bored out of his mind. Um, so I come up with ideas uh, of how to keep him focused um, during the uh, remote learning. So I allow him to complete his homework during uh, the class. I allow him to uh, make friendship bracelets, um, go on Prodigy. Um, and yeah, it, it's not easy uh, for teachers to differentiate for um, children um, who are exceptional in any way. And the other one, my other one, um, who is a child with autism, um, it's very hard for him to stay focused as well. So he tunes out as soon as he logs in in a, in a Google Meet. Um, so I have ordered a box of fidget toys for him. Um, I have a person who comes in not every day, but um, every other day for a few hours to help him stay focused. Um, and um, I still feel that a lot of times he, when I, when I pass by them during my breaks, they, they have their uh, study room set up in two different 
locations in the house. Um, I can see that um, it's very hard for him to follow. And, you know, I, I really, I don't blame him. Uh, just recently, we had a workshop. Uh, we had a workshop in our school district uh, where the provider, and obviously it was a Zoom uh, workshop, uh, remote, and the provider um, asked everybody to have their cameras on. Uh, so the workshop was two hours long, and by the end, um, I think most people just ignored that request and turned the cameras off. And we actually realized how difficult it, it is to be with camera on for uh, hours on end. It's actually very, very difficult when you're not um, involved, when you're not, say, creating Google Slides or answering some questions on Nearpod, or you're just listening to a teacher or um, whoever is speaking. It's very, very challenging, especially for children. It was very challenging for me. Mm-hmm. And and you're actually uh, a step ahead of the game in some respects than others because you, as a teacher yourself, you you know what your children need really to to give them that supplemental uh, education. Whereas there are others who either they um, they they're not equipped. They're just not equipped to to be teachers. <laughs> Yes, I have an advantage. Um, so when a teacher uh, gives an assignment to create Google Slides um, or uh, complete, annotate a Google Doc, or yes, I'm a little bit ahead of the curve and I can actually help my kids. And for many parents, uh, my parents in particular, um, I, I don't mean my parents, biological parents, I mean parents of the children that I teach. Uh, the parents that I'm, I am in contact with in my school district, it is a learning curve for them. Um, and we actually hold workshops for parents to educate them on um, how to uh, navigate Google Classroom and all those apps that come with the Google Classroom. Mm-hmm. Yes, very important. Um, now let's let's look at the other side of the coin. Um, your in your job, okay. So how are those adjustments being met? And also, I'm I'm curious. Do you have multiple computers in your home? Because I'm not sure if your your husband works off of the computer, but your sons do, and you do as well. Right. Um, again, um, I'm, pri- I'm privileged here, I have to admit. Um, um, my kids asked, uh, their birthday is in August, and for their last birthday, we asked them what they wanted, and they wanted Chromebooks. Uh, and we supported that because we thought, we, we knew that remote learning will probably be coming. So we purchased them to um, good Chromebooks, um, although the school district uh, where we reside provided them with um, iPads, with uh, cases and keyboards. So uh, we have enough devices, yes, um, but I did buy a new laptop in summer as well for myself, and that's been a lifesaver. I'm sure my district would have provided me with a Chromebook if I needed one, so to answer your question, we do have multiple 
um, devices in our house. And I actually often use um, two laptops during my live sessions. Um, uh, it is not necessary, but um, I just uh, learned uh, how to operate a couple of Google extensions that can split the screen. And uh, because I would like, when I present something to my students, I need to be able to see them, to see their reactions and be able to call on them. Um, so I really do need either a large screen or two screens. And because my laptop is not that large, uh, when I split the screen with those Google extensions, um, it becomes like really small. So I feel better when I have, um, I operate better when I have actually two devices logged into the same Google Meet. And on one, I see my students, and on the other, um, I do my presentations. Mm, wow. So um, maybe you can navigate us through what a particular day, uh, a weekday is like for you when you get up in the morning and then, you know, getting your kids situated, um, taking care of all the things you would take care of under under different times, right? And then plus this this added responsibility. Yes, there is the um, advantage certainly to being home rather than you know having to work out of the house. But you you really have to plan very very well. And then and then when we get into when you actually you know sit down and working and work with your students, I think a lot of people would be interested uh, to know what are the dynamics of that situation and what are some of the partic particular challenges of it as well? Sure, sure. And again, I will have to repeat myself and say that uh, we're lucky here because my kids are a little older. Um, they're 10. I can't imagine what a parent would say a five-year-old and a seven-year-old uh, we'll be doing on a regular weekday if that parent had to work from home. Um, so my kids are a little older. So in the morning, um, I make sure they have their breakfast. Um, they have their clothes on. Uh, they brush their teeth. They're ready to go. And at 8.10, um, they have to log in. That's uh, when their school starts. Um, my school starts at uh, about 8.30. So I have a little bit of a wiggle time there to get myself ready. Again, lucky. So I get them situated. Um, one um, is usually located in the dining room and the other one is um, in their room because they can't be uh, doing that at the same in the same room, obviously, um, because the teachers are talking and they have to be listening. So they are in two rooms and I have to go in the basement. And it's just, again, luck, uh, pure luck that we just finished it past summer and the last summer, not a minute too soon. And that's where I <laughs> set up my office, um, so to speak. And that's where um, I do my live session. Uh, yes. So I, I got like a little desk that uh, can be moved easily, um, and 
that's where I'm set up for my live sessions. I usually have um, four or five live sessions a day, uh, followed by a uh, by office hours, um, and uh, then on certain days we have meetings, whether requested by administrators or scheduled regularly, like faculty meetings and department meetings. So that's my usual day, and I have about five minutes in between um, live sessions. So I usually have three live sessions in a row, starting at 8.40. And during a break, I run up and check on my kids. <laughs> and sometimes I find them, uh, sometimes I find them um, doing things that they're not supposed to do. <laughs> um, or sometimes it happens that they do have a break and then, uh, I hear a lot of noise when they start running around and playing with each other. The good thing is they are 10, and the difficult thing is they are 10. <laughs> so, right, right. They're still 10-year-old boys. Ways, so. Yes, right. And, of course, I'm glad that um, they got off the screens and are having their break time um, and not grabbing their phones during their uh, screen break time. Uh, but sometimes that noise occurs while I'm in the live session or one of the kids comes down the stairs and tries to tell me something or ask me for something and I'm making this scary face and waving them away. <laughs> so um, um, I think it's a typical thing for a parent uh, who works uh, from home and has school-aged children. Yeah. So when when do you... Actually, because you're saying you have five minutes between each session. Um, so when do you actually end your day? Um, so my office hours are from 1.15 uh, to 2. And um, usually that's around the time when we don't have anything scheduled regularly. Um, on certain days, we do have department meetings. Um, until four, um, but that that only happens um, once a week, and sometimes we have um, meetings that are scheduled by our administrators uh, for specific departments, say for the ESL department or for language arts depart department, and so on. So I have three live sessions in a row in the morning from eight forty to eleven with five minutes break. Then I have 40 minutes break, um, which um, is, um, I guess, considered lunch. Um, and then I have to go back uh, for another live session. Um, and then I have another 40 minutes break. Well, it's not really break because we're really, this is my prep time. I'm supposed to prepare for the following day. So um, it goes really quickly, I have to say. Oh, my God. I can't. <laughs> this, is, this is why I don't. This is why I teach on the college level. It's so difficult, you know, and it's difficult during, you know, quote unquote, normal times, too. I realize that. But um, so now just I want to focus on when you are 
teaching. Okay. And tell me, um, do you see all of your students on Zoom? And how is that how is that working out? How's that working out for the students? And of course, you have to give yourself time when you're not in the classroom to to grade those papers, I'm assuming, you know, and and you have the added difficulty well for me it's a difficulty i think of of uh working with students whose second language is english it's they're they're not native speakers and i i just can't even fathom the challenges of of that especially in working uh through zoom so what what are some of those um challenges and how are you working with that to to help them Yes, you're right. There are indeed many. <laughs> um, well, uh, the first challenge and the one that um, we're still dealing with um, is the technical issues uh, that persist. And everybody who is teaching remotely uh, will know what I'm talking about. Um, it is very hard, especially with the younger kids, um, it is very hard to have them engaged at all times uh, when you're teaching. Um, recently, we had the first round of testing. Um, there, there's a cycle test. Um, there is um, a writing um, assessment. Um, there is another standardized test that came down uh, from the state that's called um, Start Strong. Um, for grades three through five, that's something new um, this year, and that was all online, obviously. And <laughs> so the first challenge is how do we get all the kids logging at the same time, or um, make sure that they follow the link and enter not just their credentials in, but the class code that everything opens. Um, with the first test, I think it took us two days just to make sure that every single student logged in. Um, so it definitely took us a lot longer to complete. Everything takes a lot longer, basically, when you're doing it remotely. That's number one difficulty. It takes a lot longer. How many students are on that screen that you're at a time? Um, so it depends on the size of the class. Uh, that I'm in. On average right now, um, I would say it's uh, fewer students that in uh, my in-person classes that I had last year. We have fewer students logging in, unfortunately. So there's usually more on the roster that we're seeing, um, and some students come irregularly. So they either log in later not at 8.30 or 40 when they're supposed to, but say, uh, uh, 10.15, good morning, Johnny. Okay, school started an hour and a half ago. Um, so on average, I would say uh, maybe between 15 and 18. That's what I'm seeing, um, yes, in an average elementary school class, yes. And um, I don't see them all on screen um, unless I'm using one of those Google extensions. Um, and um, 
with the younger children, it's kind of hard to, you know, some of them are still in the bed under the blanket. And I was saying, Natalie, um, could you find a place to sit? Because it's really hard to focus when you're lying down in bed and have a comfy blanket. Or um, Johnny keeps turning camera off. Johnny, camera check. I want to see your face. Oh, not sweetie, not just your for, uh, the top of your head, not just your forehead. I want to see your whole beautiful face. I hate to tell you those same problems exist when they get to college. <laughs> I have the same issues with my students, yes. I'm sure. I'm, I'm positive. It's true. Yes. Yes. So that takes away a lot of instruction time, unfortunately. And um, during our normal operations, so we would have uh, what's called a block schedule. So we would have two periods for math, which uh, is around 90 minutes, and two periods for language arts. Um, now, we have only 40 minutes uh, every day for each of those subjects. But as far as the pacing guide, we're supposed to cover the same amount of material. So that is obviously a challenge. Uh, with all the back and forth, you know, whenever you have a discussion, it takes time. If you think about it, it takes time. Um, I'm asking the question. I'm calling out a name. That child, usually it takes time for him or her to press the button, unmute the microphone, um, respond, then mute it again. And then they, 50% of the time, they forget. And I have to go back and say, Emily, mute your mic. Emily. Um, or scramble to um, mute that microphone myself. Um, so that takes away a lot of instruction time, unfortunately. So are, are the parents involved when, I mean, do you get uh, parents, do you get the sense that the parents are standing right there in some of the cases or are the parents kind of out of the picture really when you're teaching? So um, it actually goes both ways. Sometimes we realize that there are no adults at home, um, or we suspect that there are no adults at home. Um, sometimes they're just children with an older sibling, uh, both on computers um, logging in. And then on the other side of it, there are parents who are hovering, and we see them, and um, it can be good. At times, and at times it could be actually detrimental because um, at the beginning of the year, we usually administer um, a reading assessment, um, and then we keep track of how the reading levels improve, hopefully they improve, uh, throughout the year. And if the parent is standing behind and helping the child with the assessment, then the results are not accurate. So it would basically skew our data later on, and it will not show that this particular student actually progressed. So um, so that could um, go both ways, um, having a parent next to you, and of course they mean well. Of course they mean well. Um, but at our next PTA meeting, which is coming this Tuesday, I actually will have... Um, uh, I, I'm having a presentation, and I'm going to talk to parents and ask them to please 
um, let their children do their assignment themselves unless they are specifically asked to help. Right. Um, so that really leads to my next question. What would you like the parents to know um, to better assist the children um, at this point and maybe even beyond after COVID to better to better assist their their children in being successful and really at the same time making your job a little bit easier? Right. Right. Um, so I'm, I have this unique perspective because I am a teacher and I am a parent. So I'm looking at it both ways. Um, and I feel as a parent, um, I first of all have to make sure that my kids are organized and prepared for remote learning, that they know that each of them has a spot where they will have their lab, um, their Chromebook and um, their materials for the day. So they have A and B day schedule. So I usually have them print their schedules before the week starts and uh, make notes on the schedule if they have, say, a band or um, a meeting. Um, say one of my kids has speech. Um, so he writes down on his schedule which days and times he has his speech class and make sure that at the end of the day they clear out the materials for A day, prepare the materials for B days, and that their iPads are charged and that their Chromebooks are charged and they don't have to scramble um, during school day. So if that part was taken care of and um, the kids were not <laughs> eating breakfast during the live session or still mm, uh, lying down in bed uh, when school starts, um, that would alleviate a lot of difficulties that we're experiencing. And the other part of it is that I think parents should um, step back a little bit and let their children uh, try and complete those assignments on their own, uh, which would help them develop certain independence that they need. Even, you know, during these uncertain times, they need that. Um, they need that knowledge that they, they can do it. Um, so I guess those would be my primary goals for parents. Okay. And finally, I'd like to ask you, what does the future hold for you post-COVID? What would you like to see uh, happen? Um, I, um, I just hope that um, we will integrate the skills that we have learned, because we have learned as teachers and as parents, uh, we have learned a lot of um, technological skills that we can continue using them. Um, and I know probably somebody is rolling their eyes because, uh, which means that uh, it's more screen time. But I'm thinking that um, being fluent um, at technology, Google Classroom and the G Suite, uh, will give us a little bit of flexibility. We'll probably not have to worry about snow days uh, moving forward. 
um, if the teachers are trained and parents are trained as well, um, if there's another nor'easter, we can just um, switch to remote learning and this will go smoothly. Um, and everybody will know what to do. That's a great that's a great answer. Well, Julie, I began this interview saying that you're one of the uh, unsung heroes, and you um, like you know so many teachers, um, teachers are still uh, to my chagrin, underappreciated, underpaid. Um, just just undervalued. And um, if anything positive comes out of this, uh, these terrible times, it's that I hope that people are um, seeing the, the very, very significant role that teachers play in our society and, and truly in the future of our country. So um, thank you so much, Julia. I wish you the best of luck and um, hope to hope to see you sometime on the other side of this. <laughs> Thank you so much, Shirley. Um, it was definitely my pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Extraordinary People. To learn more about Shirley Wachtel and to subscribe to the show, head to ShirleyWachtel.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on Extraordinary People. Extraordinary People.